Welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Crawley, and today's a big episode because it is number 50. That's right. Where's the applause? Get it going. Number 50. And I will say, based on my previous track record, mostly with blogging, I never would have thought I would have done 50 episodes because I'm just known for not completing projects. But I will say the companion newsletter that I've actually been doing longer than the podcast, I've almost nine months I've been doing that newsletter. So I don't know, maybe I'm turning it a leaf here in 2021. New career, new leaf, turning a new leaf. Was it turning a new leaf? Whatever it is. That's, that's, that's what I'm doing here. So appreciate everyone listening. And my goal, obviously, I have a couple... A few hiccups here and there where I can't get the show completed, but my goal is to get it done every weekday morning. And I know it's my, it's my new year's resolution. I know it's, it's August, 2021, almost September, but that's, that's my new new year's resolution for 2021. Whatever the old one was, I don't care. This is what I'm going to be doing going forward. So once again, thanks everyone for listening and let's jump into one of the big stories of the day yesterday. And that was a report from Redfin. So we've been talking about the housing market. Is it cooling off? And we're not talking about a cold housing market. We're just saying things are cooling off instead of the housing market being on fire. It's just kind of hot. (laughs) It's not on fire. It's just hot, warm, however you want to look at it. And there's evidence of that. Uh, We saw that yesterday, like I said, a report from Redfin found that in July, 60.1% of home offers written by Redfin agents faced competition. Now, 60% is a pretty good number, but that was the lowest level of 2021. July was down from June's rate of 66.5% and was down from the peak that we saw in April at 74.1%. But it should be said that it was up from last July when it was at 57.9%. Redfin talked to one of their real estate agents from Sacramento, California, Scott Mercer, who said they are still getting multiple offers, just not as many. Saying, quote, we're now seeing five to eight offers on homes instead of 25, and they're only coming in 50, or excuse me, five to 10,000 above listing, not 50 to 60,000 above listing. Oh, the travesty. <laughs> only only 10,000 over ask. Now, what should be noted, though, is that what's also happening is, is that buyers or sellers, excuse me, are upping their prices. So at some point, you're just not going to see people be able to come in 50,000 over. And you do see sort of a correction at that level. But the fact that they are seeing fewer offers does point to a cooling market. Now, the biggest declines in month to month bidding war rates. The leader was Richmond, Virginia, which saw a 37.7% drop, followed by New Orleans at 37.5%. Cleveland, Ohio was down 32%. Kansas City was down 32%. And Sarasota, Florida was down 28.8%. But these levels, for the most part, were all pretty high to begin with in the 50s and 60s. So they just dropped down in the 30s and 40%. So we're still seeing you know, like 40% of house of uh, contracts in bidding wars. <laughs> and so it's uh, like I said, it's kind of a weird situation because it's like, oh, only 60% home offers are um, finding themselves in a bidding war situation. Only 60%. <laughs> that number is down. But some are wondering, you know, are we finally seeing, have we reached the peak? And I would say a lot of data 
from Redfin, we've talked about it, shows that it does look like things are cooling down. And so does that mean we're returning to normal with regards to the economy? And Nick Timoros at the Wall Street Journal wrote yesterday that the Federal Reserve is nearing an agreement to begin scaling back their asset purchases. And they're looking at a timeline of possibly three months. So at their July meeting, officials deliberated on two important questions. One, when to start pairing their monthly purchases, and two, how quickly to reduce or taper them. Now, we're going to get more information. The meeting minutes, I believe, come out on Wednesday, so we'll have more information. Uh, but Tim Rose, you know, looked at some interviews from the Fed presidents and what they have said on record. And Boston Fed President Eric Rosengren said in an interview that he expects to see enough job growth to meet the criteria for reducing bond purchases by September, saying, quote, that would set up sometime this fall a possible tapering that is dependent on the Delta variant and other variants not slowing down the labor market substantially. And that's always kind of the wild card is that moving forward, we've had some good job reports. They are feeling more confident about the labor market. However, I will point out, and I know this is anecdotal, the Chick-fil-A near me actually emailed people. Now, I will say I'm I'm on their email list because of uh, a party I one time got catered. I, I do go to Chick-fil-A a lot, but that's not the reason why I got on their email list. I'm not that frequent of a customer. And there's no shame in that. I'm just pointing out that's how I got on their email list. And they were letting me know that the hours were changing because of staffing issues, because of supply chain issues. And so the labor market's getting better, but there are still a ton of job openings, especially in food services. And you'll see that any restaurant you go to all kinds of job openings that are available. So we are seeing good job reports, but the labor market is still nowhere near as tight as I think they'd like it to be to feel confident moving forward. Now, Rosengren, since this is the Markets and Mortgages podcast, also specifically addressed the mortgage-backed security purchases and how it's impacting the housing market. And is there still a benefit to purchasing those bonds saying, quote, if you can't get housing materials and you can't get construction workers to come back on site, but we do increase demand for housing, then it doesn't do much for our employment mandate, but it does increase housing prices more than it otherwise would. And that's an interesting point because obviously you want to keep demand for housing. Housing is a big part of our economy. There is especially certain places like in Wilmington uh, where I broadcast out of absolutely uh, housing is a big, big part of the economy. But yeah, at some point, if they're making these bond purchases and all it's doing is creating demand for a product and the product is not keeping up with that demand, do you really want to keep pumping the demand up? And so I think that's an important question that they're going to be debating, and they have been debating. Uh, St. Louis Fed President James Bullard said he wants to start pairing assets in October and conclude the program by March. Now, why would he want it to be so quick? Well, he argued that it would give the Fed more flexibility going forward, saying, quote, I don't want to have to move too rapidly with regards to raising rates because it can be very disruptive. So I think that the pace I'm suggesting would give us a lot more optionality in 2022 if we needed to use it. So it's kind of like this gives us options because then we could look at, you know, bringing, you know, 
maybe bringing back asset purchases if there's some movement, but just having more tools available, I think is always important. And his point is uh, raising rates is just something that they don't really want to do too quickly, but asset purchases less impactful. Now we will see movement, you know, the whole taper tantrum that we saw, what was that? 2013, 14, somewhere around there. So they are mindful of that. And that was mentioned in this piece, but they're looking at asset purchases being less impactful than moving rates. So we'll see what happens with the tapering, keeping an eye on it. All right, before we run out of time, I did want to touch on data that we get every Monday afternoon. That is the weekly data from the Mortgage Bankers Association on total loans and forbearance. And for the 24th straight week, loans and forbearance fell. And they fell by a lot. This wasn't like last week, it was like a point or two points. This was a 14 basis point drop for the week. Total loans and forbearance are now 3.26%. That means the estimates are 1.6 million homeowners are now in forbearance plans. Mike Frantantoni, MBA's Senior Vice President and Chief Economist, said it was a good week, and the numbers were down across the board, saying in a statement, the largest decrease in a month in the share of loans and forbearance came from a jump in forbearance exits, as many homeowners are nearing the end of their forbearance terms. The forbearance share declined for all investor and servicer categories. That's what you want to see. Uh, By stage, 9.7. We're in the initial stage. 82.8% are in the extension phase. And 7.5% are re-entries. But 24 straight week. Moving in the right direction. Definitely what you want to see. All right, you guys. Once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for getting us to number 50. We will talk to you on Wednesday morning. And as always... Do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.